I pray that I may pre preach in the name of God, revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's getting a bit cramped up there. I do apologise for that. I've been, within the last two years, or when we've been actually been able to get that back into the church again, I've been normally sort of floating around at this level, really. Um, I could go up there, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, you're, you're there, so that's good. Well, uh, once again, as I mentioned the congregation, thank you so much for coming. It's been it's absolute joy to have you here. And I know you must be starving, and we ought to bring around bacon sandwiches or vegetarian options um, at this point in the service when I'm going to try and preach. Um, but um, I do apologise. Never mind. Hopefully there'll be lots of biscuits afterwards um, and something. Mark's Gospel is a gospel full of snapshots, not a gospel to cozy up to, trying to learn a bulk of teaching or rules, but writing which provokes a sense in which there is scene shifting going on in the world, regime change. And if you are up for it, it can challenge you these days, especially to think, act, and believe in a very different way. It can shift things in you. Extraordinary coming considering we're talking about something put together possibly just some 40 years um, after Jesus was traipsing about in the Middle Eastern landscape. The world in which he inhabits, in a sense, feels a very different one to our own, and yet weirdly speaks extremely powerfully into our own age. And it spoke to two Christian communicators of the last century, the 20th century, they both claimed they owed their Christian faith simply by reading Mark's gospel without any preparation. Jürgen Moltmann was interned, interned as a prisoner of war in Scotland in 1945. He'd just been shown photographs of the horrors of the camps at Belsen and Birkenwald, and like his fellow prisoners, was reeling from the realization that the regime that they had been fighting for was responsible for such unimagined atrocity. An army chaplain had distributed copies of the Bible amongst them all. He said, I read Mark's Gospel as a whole and came to the story of the Passion. When I heard Jesus' death cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I felt growing within me the conviction, this is someone who understands you completely who is with you in your cry to God. And, his, and he felt the same forsakenness you are living in now. I summoned up the courage to live again from that moment. And the other person is Anthony Bloom, a skeptical young man persuaded um, to go on a youth weekend, as people often are, for young Russians, it was, it was a different age, he heard talk, a talk which so infuriated him about faith that he went home determined to confirm for himself the emptiness and the stupidity of Christianity by reading the Gospels. And he chose Mark because it was the shortest. And he spoke about what happened. The feeling I had occurs sometimes when you're walking along in the street and suddenly you turn around because you feel someone is looking at you. And while I was reading... Before I reached the beginning of the third chapter, I suddenly became aware 
that on the other side of my desk there was a presence. I realized immediately, if Christ is standing here alive, that means he is the risen Christ. In this place, in the last, maybe in your place, in this last, the last few weeks, we've been working through Mark's gospel. And what's been coming through is the strong preoccupation Jesus has with the kingdom of God, God's rule. Prophets before him had a sense of a state whereby the priorities of God will be laid bare upon this world, but they are peace, justice, mercy. Those things will be established forever and for all creatures. Wishful thinking, cloud cuckoo land, fantasy world. Well, Jesus in Mark's gospel comes on the scene without preamble. He appears as an adult, unlike all the other gospels, and talks about, sorry, John doesn't do that either, and talks about the kingdom breaking through. His closest followers in the gospel are excited about this and start immediately to jostle for position. This comes across very, very powerfully in Mark's gospel. To be influencers in this new world that Jesus suggests is here already. And with the most recent chapter of Mark, just before that gospel reading today, he devastates them all by welcoming the children. His disciples tried to shoo away. He leaves his disciples with food for thought by announcing whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And then he blesses those children in his midst. It's a very famous passage. You might have come across it before. Those who think they are in the midst of where it's at are dismissed as disciples. And those who by their young age and no social standing whatsoever, children, are the ones accepted and open to receive blessing and access to God's particular rule and view of the world. One of the things I find so fascinating about Mark's Gospel is how his disciples are presented throughout absolutely clueless to Jesus' real concerns, totally enthralled to positions of power and uh, influence for themselves, forever misunderstanding Jesus' actions. They come out of it pretty badly. And yet the young church from which this gospel emerged left all these embarrassing details in. So it's a joke on them, really, for all to see. Beyond the resurrection, they were not going to hide their crass incompetence and misreading of God's purposes. It's extraordinary. And then after the children, and before they set off on a journey, that rich young ruler appears. He wants to sign up to the vision of life. It's quite an attractive encounter, read, even just reading it in the sort of New Testament in, the, in, the, in our English version. He wants to sign up to the vision of life Jesus is preaching or living. He's doing everything he can to be faithful. Before Jesus replies, we get that little insight uh, that you, you get in Mark, the evangelist, that this young man is genuine, he's authentic. In my version of the Bible, it comes across as, and Jesus looking upon him loved him, which sounds a bit 
weird, but actually it means, you know, he, he's got his, he understands you. He responds warmly to someone who's genuine in their desire to follow. He sees his authenticness. But then the devastating challenge follows. You lack one thing, just one thing. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. It's a really great challenge for those of us today. At the end of the day, it's pretty simple. Your life needs to be converted inside out. It's eye-watering in the simplicity of its demands. And even the disciples are shocked. Surely someone who's so much going for them, surely they would be a shoo-in for God's kingdom. And then we are presented with this fantastic image. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eagle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When Nikki was finding a, a, a suitable photo picture uh, for the, our notice sheet, which she found something that looked slightly like Salvador Dali. But anyway, there's a weird sort of thing. Um, a camel, the disciples' group astonishment, saves us all. Then who can be saved? And Jesus comes back with a tremendous get out with mortals or men or people or women or whatever. It is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. All people, all creatures are possible, finding their own destiny. The early church learned lessons from this really uncompromising stand in Mark's Gospel. It was a church that did pool its resources for the common good. Wealth was not a sign of God's kingdom breaking through and is still often problematic and a barrier to the relationships that matter and is never a sign of God's valuing of people and creation. So enjoy the joke, the poor camel squeezing to get through the eye of a needle and rejoice in the poverty of our create creaturely natures, inheritors together, once we have offloaded all our baggage, along with all God's creatures, we also are part and can be of the kingdom of God. Amen.